So tonight I'm going to be talking about, um, well, I call it the simplicity of conviction. Adam Zapp and I were sitting down talking about what we we're going to decide to preach about, and he said he was going to talk about the simplicity of abiding, and I said, man, that really goes well with what I'm talking about because I want to get across the message that conviction is such an easy, simple thing, and so that's what I'm calling it, simplicity of conviction, so you can kind of keep that on your minds. Um, I'm going to have three points tonight, um, and the first one is that conviction does not dwell on sin. Um, on the other hand, guilt is something that definitely dwells on sin. Um, guilt is something that is, you would say, the opposite of conviction, something, a reaction to your walk or stumbling your walk that is contrary to what is you know, the appropriate response, which is conviction, and that's guilt. And guilt is you know, pretty, pretty deep and, and not good for us in a lot of different ways. Um, one of those reasons is because it keeps you focused on the past. If you think about it, guilt is solely focused on the past. It's not focused on the present or the future. It's focused on um, things that happened in your life, things that went on in your life in the past. And what it does is it kind of chains you to that sin. So guilt is going to take that place wherever it is that you stumbled, and it's going to magnify that, and it's going to um, just keep you focused on that and kind of just reminds you of that here and there throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your month, throughout your walk, and it's going to say, hey, remember this, remember this, remember this, and it's just going to keep you focused on those particular sins, which is contrary to what conviction does. So it keeps you focused on the past, not the present, and it also brings about these negative labels. And um, as you've all experienced, you know, um, the biggest you know, the historical, the best way to shape a society is to use shaming. Shaming is a historical pastime of how to shape behavior in society to conform to the norms. And that's kind of like what guilt is. It, it makes us feel bad about ourselves to where we choose to behave a certain way. Not because of our, any belief inside of us, but because we don't want to feel bad about ourselves. We have that guilt and shame. And so this can create some labels that we place on ourselves. Well, I'm this and I'm this, and I'm this, and those labels come from the past and our past behaviors. So this can be dangerous in several ways. Um, One thing is, part of my job is when I'm talking with people and counseling them, we'll always talk about, you know, self-esteem, their personal self-esteem. How they feel about themselves is is what self-esteem is. And then after I'm done talking about that, I'll ask them about their spiritual self-esteem. And I use that kind of wording because it's a, it's a non-churchy way of saying, how do you feel about your walk? So, you know, sometimes it takes some second to think about it because I think most people don't often really gauge how they feel about their walk. Um, but I think it's important because how we feel about our walk determines how we walk, just as how we feel about ourselves determines how we act in society. So if you keep that in your mind, you know, how we behave based on our spiritual, our self-esteem, personal self-esteem, can be the same as how we'll behave based on our spiritual self-esteem. So part of that is, think about what you've learned in the world. If you're not good at something, you shouldn't do that, right? If you try something and you mess up, are you going to be likely to go and do that again? Probably not, because you feel like you're not good at it. And the world, from a very early age, teaches you, hey, you know, 
do the things you're good at, but shy away from the things you're not good at. So, say games, sports. If you're not good at something, you're going to sit at the bench. If you're not good enough to play a certain sport, they're going to kick you off the team. Um, your job, if you don't perform well in the job, what do they do? They fire you. Um, so you're naturally going to be you know, hesitant to, to do anything that you feel like you're not prepared to do, you don't feel like you can do. So that can be a dangerous thing if, if you're constantly consumed with guilt over some things, um, maybe in life where you stumbled. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with stumbling. Maybe it has something to do with you just don't feel like I'm there yet or I feel like you know, I'm not at the right place to do this yet because I have to get some things right in my own life before I can pursue that. Or who am I to talk to this person because I've got this and this in my past and I've got all this guilt on this issue. So it's holding me back from pursuing other things in my walk. Um, so all of this is the opposite of conviction. And, and that's kind of a product of guilt is making you feel bad and, and not comfortable with your walk and abiding in him. Uh, luckily, conviction is a natural process through the Holy Spirit and through the Lord that, that takes you away from all those thoughts about um, guilt and baggage and feeling like you're not, you know, your walk is poor. Um, so my second point is that conviction propels you to the Lord. So my first point was that conviction does not dwell in sin. And then secondly, it propels you to the Lord. So it's kind of like a driving force. Um, somebody in my community group a while ago, we were talking about um, temptation in the flesh and, and sin and, and they said, you know, they described temptation like a pull, a pull on you. And I thought it was a pretty good description. And um, conviction is more like a, a very much stronger pull towards you to, to the Lord. Not, it doesn't keep you buried in the past like guilt does. It doesn't, you know, have all this stuff that weighs you down where you walk really slow like guilt would do. It takes you and it draws you closer to Him in, in an amazing way. And it draws you into the Word and in a prayer, and a praise. And all that does is continue to perpetuate you and, and propel you to the Lord even more. And we'll talk about a little bit more of that too and using scripture as well to see that. Um, so conviction doesn't let you focus on the sin behavior or the past, but it focuses on the goodness of Him. So when you're convicted, the things that, that you feel and the things that drive you and the things that go on in your heart are how good God is and all the wonderful things he's done in your life and how good his word is and his law is. And it reminds you of that each and every day. Um, guilt would be the opposite. Guilt would remind you of how you know, bad you are and, and how worthless you are. You know, that's the opposite reaction. Conviction just points you to him. Um, conviction provokes uh, in you a desire to seek him more through prayer and praise and through his word. Um, conviction isn't a behavior modification plan. And a lot of people might get this mixed up is, you know, when you're convicted, you don't have a behavior modification plan. Guilt would do that. Guilt would say, hey, you did this. So you need to figure out ways how you're not going to do that again. That's a behavior modification plan. Conviction does not do that because what is that? Focusing on your own strength. If, you, if, you're, one, if you're guilty about something and you feel, I must you know, overcome this in a certain way. You're saying, I, I, I. You're relying on your own strength, whereas conviction reminds you of how dependent you are on the Lord and how He can bring you through anything and how He can do anything and has done everything for our hearts. And so it's not focused on your own strength. It's not focused on behavior. It's focused on His strength and, and the power of Him. Um, 
when drawn into the word, which conviction brings you into the word, it naturally sets your sights on him and urges you to abide more. Um, conviction doesn't rely on your own strength. So let's look at um, some verses. I'm going to go to Psalm 119, um, verse 24 through 40. And we're going to talk a little bit about this. And what it is, um, I think it's a good example of a, a, someone with a convicted heart. Um, and it's a good example of the process of conviction. And it's not, it's not something that's talking about conviction per se. It's, it's just a good example of what it looks like. So let's start out in um, verse 24, Psalm 119. The psalmist says, Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul clings to dust. Give me life according to your word. And 25 is kind of interesting. Um, the King James Version actually says it what I think is a, a more, an interesting way. It says, My soul clings to dust. Quicken me. And give me life according to your word. Quicken me means to give life. And I thought that that's a great expression for what conviction does. Um, it's kind of an older word, um, King James. And, and quicken, to quicken means to make more rapid. Quicken means to accelerate, to vitalize, to excite, to stir up. And that's what conviction does. It quickens our hearts. Um, and I, I thought of this metaphor that I think of whenever I hear the word quicken, and, and I think of you know it could, how it could relate to conviction in a way. And I asked you know my wife Jenny, I was like, "Have you ever seen the show The Highlander? Have you ever seen The Highlander?" Some people, okay, thankfully some people have seen it. She's like, "The car? The car?" I was like, "No, not the car. It's a TV show." And back in '96, it was on USA like all the time, and. So my parents used to watch it, so naturally I was, it was on the TV, so I was watching it. And I don't know if you know much about the Highlander, but they have this thing called <laughs> the quickening, okay? So anyway, he's got to, you know, you know, knock off a couple other Highlanders to where he can get the quickening. So he can get the strength. And it reminds me of that because it's such an outside force. It comes from, uh, you know, something else greater than him, and it breathes in him new life and makes him stronger. And, you know, it, you should, if you haven't seen The Highlander, you need to YouTube it because it's hilariously corny and just ridiculous. But, you know, he would have to do, like, I guess Chuck Norris was popular then, so he'd do, like, a roundhouse, like, samurai sword. And, like, I don't know why, but you would have to decapitate the person to get their powers, but he would do that. <laughs> and then all this, all this lightning would come on him, and he would, like, hold a sword up, and it would, lightning would always hit a sword, and then he'd, you know, scream. Anyway, you should watch it. But to me, when I think of to quicken, it's, it's that. That comes to mind, just that extremely powerful force. And that's why I like that word um, more, than, more than what's right here, which is exactly the same thing, though, is um, to give him life. So let's keep going. Sorry about that. When, 26, when I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. So good things come from conviction. It's natural spiritually. Um, it's something that's very unnatural of the world. We like to hide our ways in the world. We're definitely going to hide our ways, especially if we feel guilty about it. But that's such a natural thing. And he says, when I told of my ways, you answered me. So it's a response. A conviction brings about a response. 
So that's something there that's similar to conviction. You know, you are going to get a response through the Lord, through the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's going to be an amazing one. It's going to be a positive one, which is going to provoke in your desire to follow him more. That's why it says, teach me your statutes. Um, and 27, make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous words. So we see there a desire to know him more and a desire to live more. Um, 28, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. So in 29 and 30, we see a desire to abide and not to stray. As it says, I put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. Um, it's also an acknowledgement of a true commitment. Uh, in 30, it says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. Um, Acknowledging that this is the path I want to go on. This is what I want to do. Continue to help me stay on this path. And you see, it's all about, you know, Christ. I mean, it's all about the Lord and, and His power. Not, there's nothing in here about His own power to do things. And let's keep going. Um, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. And sometimes I think this, this verse right here, we can kind of get copped on. Well, I'll run when you enlarge my heart. It, it's kind of like, well, when you do this, I'll do this. But in actuality, most of the translations saying, I run because you enlarge my heart. It's, it's a factual thing. It's going to happen. Through conviction, your, your, your heart is going to be changed. Um, it's a natural, easy thing. All you have to do is allow it. Guilt would be a very unnatural thing spiritually, but natural in the world. And it's very difficult to feel guilty. It takes a lot of work to feel guilty. I don't know if you all know that, but you have to take up a lot of time thinking about things and feel guilty and to carry that guilt around with you. Sometimes it's very comforting to carry the guilt. It becomes like this little old friend of your past, but it takes a lot of effort to stay guilty. It it takes minimal effort to allow the natural process of conviction to arise in you. Um, Let's jump to 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Um, a desire to run the race towards him, with him even more, is a consistent theme of this whole verse. And when you look at 32, I will run the way of commandments when you enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep them to the end. <clears throat> That's where you see that desire. 34, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. I like 34 and 35. Um, the thing about conviction is that says, give me understanding. So it's wanting to know more. And then you jump to the next verse and it says, for I delight in it. So it's like, give me this knowledge because it's awesome. You know, continue to teach me and mold me because I'm thriving off of it. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Um, again, just so opposite of, of guilt because guilt is so, you know, brings down your soul and more baggage. It's not awesome. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Once again, in these, in these, two, uh, in these two verses, you know, we, would, we might all say, I will do this. I will change this. I will do this. Uh, in these verses, it says... 
turn my eyes and asking him to turn my eyes away from worthless things. And it says, um, confirm your servant. Oh, wait. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Incline my heart and not to selfish games. So it's continually asking the Lord, you know, his, his power and strength, trying to rely on the Lord. Um, 37. 38. Sorry. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. So, I think in a lot of these verses, and that's why it kind of stuck out to me uh, when thinking about conviction and guilt, it's, it's just completely about, you know, seeing how wonderful, you know, his law is and his word and his ways are. And it, it just pulls us towards them. Um, and you can't help it, really, when, you, when you're, you know, actively going to the Word and praising Him whenever you feel conviction. Uh, it, it brings about many, many changes. Um, but conviction allows us to live just fearlessly and resiliently, which brings me to my third point. Um, conviction brings growth, um, not bondage and depression. Uh, in fact, it's kind of interesting. A lot of the early psychologists and psychiatrists believe that guilt produced, um, you know, various, you know, not fun, you know, mental disorders. You know, they believe it produced depression and even even more serious mental disorders. Um, that's how powerful even they knew guilt was. Someone who's just of the world and and doesn't have a spiritual walk with the Lord, even they could see in the world that guilt is not a good thing. And, and thankfully, we have the Word to help us, to bring us out of that. Thankfully, we have conviction through the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just, it's simple, and it's amazing, and it's a a gift. Um, So conviction enhances your desire to abide more, and it's hard to look at these verses and not see the desire there. I mean, it's filled with desire, um, and it's hard to look at these verses and not see that desire to abide more um, and just seek Him more. It's just all about seeking Him more, and that's kind of been... I guess the theme that we've been on for a couple months is, is seeking the Lord more. And, and luckily that's a wonderful outcome of conviction. Uh, it's filled with grace, wisdom, teaching, understanding. It's not filled with consequences. Uh, guilt is. We feel like we need to be punished if we, if we, if we have this guilt carried around to equal it out. Um, you know, some of the false narratives of a work-based faith. Uh, that's uh, just a breeding ground when you're functioning within a guilt system. It's a breeding ground for works-based faith. You have to be punished for what you did so you can not feel guilty anymore. Or you have to do something else and not feel guilty anymore. It's all about you and less about glory to Him. Um, so conviction allows us to live fearlessly and to be truly resilient. Uh, and I don't think that's something that's seen in the church a lot. Uh, I think for the most part when you're to look at the church and the, the people in the church, sometimes we have a hard time being resilient against things in our lives, things, um, you know, in our circumstances, things that we stumble with. We get caught up with them. That's why we call them stumbling, right? Because it, it, it catches us up. Resiliency is something that is allowed through conviction to where we can stumble and continue on our walk and keep going and not, not let that get us down, not let that hold us back. Um, and, you know, through the cross, through God's Word, and through the Holy Spirit, it allows you everything you need to be resilient in life. 
um, to come in here and to just praise him and thank him for everything he's done and to, to really just dive into the word regardless of how you feel. Because uh, that's one thing we know is even though we may feel like um, we're not confident in ourselves or our walk, feeling doesn't necessarily mean it's reality. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that your walk is somehow, you know, um, lesser than or, or not where it exactly needs to be at the right time. Um, because conviction easily takes that away. That, that's a lie. That's something we see in the world. We have to fix things and not let him fix us. So, and I'm not going to make another loose association here. Um, there's this uh, book, and this is another, I, I think, a good example of, of the beauty of our, you know, what God has done for us. And um, it's called Reality is Broken. And it's about the author um, decided she wanted to write a book about why so many people these days are escaping into the world of like computer games and video games and I've been known to play one or two video games in my time but <laughs> obviously why I'm reading the book um, what she found what I found interesting is that she said that in the world of video games you're allowed to continually fail and people are spending these countless hours failing and failing and failing <clears throat> and this stuck out to her because in life we don't do that in life we like to stick with what we know we don't go above and beyond for fear of failing. Uh, we like to stay below the spotlight. But for some reason, these people are just continually, you know, engaging in this thing where it's just fail, 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 fail. And she's like, this is amazing because these people are problem solving. They're, they're, they have such a desire to reach their goal that they're continuing. And the beauty of the game is that it allows you to fail and you start back clean slate. When in a game, when you fail a mission or whatever, or like a turtle, get hit by a turtle shell or something, you, you, know, you, you, you lose, but you can revert back to the last save. You can have a new life. You get full health again. It's like it never happened. And she's saying, why can't we make the world more like this? Why can't we uh, change you know, the way we work and the way we live to be more like these things? Because obviously that's a need in people. And obviously that stuck out to me because what is that? Grace. There's grace in the world of video games, and she's saying the world needs more grace. And that's something that is entirely relevant to us because we have that grace, right? Through the Lord, we, we have that grace in our walk, and we can uh, live life fearlessly. We don't have to be um, timid. We don't have to walk timidly. We can pursue God, you know, fearlessly, and we can, we can be resilient in our faith and not let, you know, stumbling blocks are our failures or more failures or whatever it may be feel like that's in getting in our way because that's essentially what I, the message I want to convey is that it doesn't need to get in our way at all. Conviction is the Lord taking that out of our way and pushing us forward to Him. And, and that's the process we need to be in. And, and it's difficult sometimes because the world has taught us to feel guilty. The world has taught us to live in that guilt system. But we just have to continue to remind ourselves to allow us to be convicted and to have those thoughts of guilt and just refuse to acknowledge them and let them, and let them pass by and not live in them. Um, so the last point, a surprise fourth point, is that um, <laughs> guilt, guilt shapes behavior and conviction shapes your heart. And that's kind of what I want to leave with y'all now is that and I don't know how long this was. It seems like it was pretty short. But um, 
that conviction is about your heart and guilt is about your behavior and and we need to be focused on our hearts more than our behavior we don't need to sit there and try to be per- perfect in this area and that area and then let let ourselves go into a pity party whenever we feel like somehow we're not perfect because that's looking at ourselves to our own eyes and one thing paul said is that you know not only does he consider other people's judgment of him but he does not even judge himself so for someone like paul to say that uh, I think it's pretty important that we don't sit there and constantly judge ourselves, that we allow God to do that, and we allow God to convict us, and that we don't sit there and beat ourselves up over certain things that um, may hold us back from, from just participating in community, that may hold us back from participating in you know, missions, that may hold us back from participating in service, or talking to one another, investing in our lives, because for some reason we don't feel like we're at that place and we're not good enough. Um, that's, that's a bunch of false narratives, and that's, that's kind of the lies that come from guilt. Conviction brings you to him, and it brings you to each other even more. So that's kind of what I had to say for tonight. And I just encourage you to just read through those verses on your own time and just really let God show you how it applies to you personally. Um, and I think a lot of us will just get a bunch of different things from these verses, and, uh, but all good things. Um, So that's about it. So if the band wants to come up, I'll pray. Um, Dear Lord God, we just thank you so much for um, just allowing us to gather here tonight and allowing us to have the freedom to um, just be able to come here and rejoice in you and um, just seek you more. Uh, We ask you to continue to encourage us to um, just draw towards one another and just pursue you uh, fearlessly and be resilient in our walks, Lord God, and, and not to allow ourselves to, to focus too much on judging ourselves and just continue to remember that, that you are the only judge and that um, all you want is for us to seek you more and to be glorified by us in each and every way. So we just ask that you just continue to renew our hearts and, and that desire and help us to keep the thoughts of the world at bay and just to focus on you each and every day and make every day count for you. Um, We ask that in your name. Amen.